Well, I'm so excited today. We're starting a new series, and we entitled it Rebuild. And remember, we're in the process of doing Renew, Rebuild, and Restore. And so the subtitle of today's message is The Treasure. We want to speak all about the treasure that is hidden inside every single person's life. When Jesus came to earth, the people were looking for someone to overthrow the then government and rulers and to rule the land. But God's intent was to send his son to reign in the hearts of men and women. And in Matthew 2 verses 12, it says, And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Over this festive season, we've been celebrating the birth of Christ. And we know that in the Bible, it speaks about the Magi, who are known as the wise men of that day, as they come to seek out Jesus, this newborn baby and king. And they gave Jesus their best and most valuable gifts, like gold. And, and they were presenting those to God and to Jesus as an act of worship. But Jesus gave us the most priceless gift. He gave himself and thereby purchased for you and I salvation and eternal life. Think about all the pain and disease and murder and destruction and hurt that's in this world today. Imagine how painful it is for God to be part and to experience that as the creator of the heavens and earth. And you see, the only way that this is going to change is if you and I rise up in the power of God's word and make a difference. You see, the church is the hope of the world. And so in this new series, we're going to dig into many different areas of our lives and of our ministry and of society. But we're going to start today in the life of Nehemiah. And in Nehemiah 2 verse 18, there's such a powerful story about the principle of rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And in verse 18, we read that Nehemiah came to the people of Jerusalem, and it says here in verse 18, And I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So they said, Let us rise up and build. Then they set their hands to this good work. Notice, it is a good work when we rise up and we begin to build the life that God wants us to build. Nehemiah based his purpose and his decisions on what God had placed in his heart. And then this was confirmed by those around him. And there were several different witnesses that confirmed what he needed to be doing. And once he had done that, the events unfolded in his favor so he could accomplish what he set out to do. So let's dig into Nehemiah chapter 1 and lay a foundation as we start to talk about rebuilding our lives, rebuilding our communities, and rebuilding our nation. In verse 1 it says, The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came 
with the men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. Notice the first thing that stands out about Nehemiah was he was a person not just of character, but he was a person of compassion and care. He wasn't just interested in himself. He was interested in his fellow man and in his former city, Jerusalem. It goes on in verse 3, and it says, As they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the provinces are there in great distress and reproach. Actually, it's probably a very similar picture to what we're experiencing during this time of this pandemic. It says the walls of Jerusalem are also broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. You see, we all need to face the reality of what we're involved in without losing our faith and the perspective that God gives us because we know that he is willing and able to help us in our difficulty. It goes on in verse 4 and it says, And so it was, when I heard these words, speaking about Nehemiah, that I sat down and wept and I mourned for many days. I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. Notice Nehemiah, after he engaged with his friends, after he'd found out the reality of what was going on in Jerusalem, he turned his heart towards God. And the first thing he did was he gave himself to the Lord. We find a very similar thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, or sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where Paul was bragging on the church in Macedonia who had given out of their poverty for the work of God. And in verse 5, it says, Peter was absolutely amazed because it says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. You see, they'd sought God first before they ever stepped out to give or to sow or to do anything in building and supporting the ministry of Paul. And so it's so important that we seek God, that we worship before him, that we get into his presence and allow the Holy Spirit to impress on us while we're praying what we should be busy with. It goes on in verse 6, and we'll read down to verse 11 to the end of chapter 1. And it says, Please let your ear be attentive to and open your eyes that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Verse 8. Remember, I pray the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest parts of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. 
Now these are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. And then verse 11, it says, O Lord, I pray, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name, and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. So we see that after Nehemiah had given himself to the Lord, he'd fasted and prayed, he'd listened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he he engages in a heartfelt, earnest prayer. Notice the prayer was based on the word of God. He was praying the word of God. And he was putting himself and God in remembrance of what his word said. And that stirred him up. That built his faith. That gave him the foundation to trust God. And notice something. Notice the depth of the treasure that came out of Nehemiah's heart that positioned him to see God do something miraculous. We can learn so many helpful things from the life of Nehemiah. And here's the first one. Ask yourself this question. What treasure is in you today? You see, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, in the Amplified, the Bible says this, however, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel, in frail human vessels of earth, that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. This verse tells us that we have a treasure which is in these earthen vessels. Well, who is the treasure? Well, the treasure we have is Jesus Christ. It's the message of the gospel of grace. And who are the earthen vessels? Well, the earthen vessels are you and I. You see, it's a reminder to you and I that God uses human beings in their weakness, in, their, in the state that they're in. When they turn to him, he begins to do a work in them and then a work through them. And that, in reality, is the treasure that we want to talk about as we begin to raise up and rebuild the things that God has called us to rebuild. My friend, Christ is the treasure in you. So don't get frustrated when you see your earthiness. You know what? We will always be earthy. As long as we are in our mortal bodies, we will make mistakes. We won't always get things right. But you know what? We must always remember that Christ in you is the real treasure. Don't be despondent if you lose your cool, or maybe you mess up in some area somehow. Just remind yourself that Christ is in you, and He is your victory. You know, sometimes we try so hard in our flesh and in our own self-will, but you know, it's when we come to the end of ourselves and we turn to Jesus and we tell Him, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And as we surrender in that moment, as we rest and begin to depend on him, he begins to work in us, building our lives so that we can build others. That's the power of the treasure in you. Don't be discouraged when you're facing wrong or negative feelings. Don't condemn yourself because you're earthy, but also 
Don't let, be, let that be your excuse to stop growing and moving forward. Don't stop there. Receive more of his grace. And you know what? You will begin to overcome in those areas. And you won't even realize that it's happening because your eyes will be fixed on him and he'll be doing the work in you. The more you see the treasure of Christ in you, the more of Christ's brilliance and grace will shine, not just in you, but through you. And think about this. This verse says this, so that he may get all the glory. Whatever we accomplish, whatever progress we make, whatever developments we do, whatever rebuilding we do, just like Nehemiah, we give all the glory to God because it's not of ourselves, it's of him. And what a beautiful place to be. I want to read 2 Corinthians 4, 7 again. I want to read all the way, all the way down to verse 10 out of the Passion Translation. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's and not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection of life, the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So it's time. Go ahead, arise, and let's build. As we continue in this, in this teaching in this moment, I started to think about the values we've established in our own local church, which come out of our mission statement, which is at your service. And I began to think about those values. Those aren't just nice words that we've put on our walls and we, we say them as cliches. They are values that we can live by. And you know, if you would build those into your life, if you would rebuild them in the areas where they've maybe, maybe fallen flat, suddenly you'll begin to see they will govern the way you make decisions, <clears throat> They will empower you to be practical in the way you live your life. And they will inspire you to keep on building what God's called you to build. These are our five values. Service, excellence, word-based, grow, and love. Let's have a look how we can build or rebuild these into our lives. Number one, service. You see, we've got to ask ourselves a question. Who am I serving at this time? Now, Yes, we might be on leave and some of us might be relaxing and just having family around during this time. But as we kick into the new year, who are we going to serve? Well, we need to be sure we're serving God, but we also need to be sure that we're serving people with the strength of God. You see, our scripture, which is the, the mission statement of our church in 1 Corinthians 9.19, it says this, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. You see, sometimes we might feel that I must first become perfect before I can do anything great for God. But the truth is, you are made perfect while you serve in the kingdom and while you serve others. You see, if you wait till you're perfect, till you wait till everything's right, Ecclesiastes says you'll never end up doing anything. 
But if you'll start where you are, God will do a work in you. God will perfect you as you are serving him and as you're ministering to other people. Jesus was so clear when he spoke about this to his own disciples who were arguing about who's going to be the greater one and who's going to do more and who's going to sit at Jesus' right hand. In Matthew 20, look what he says from verse 26. He says, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, significance doesn't come out of the greatness. It comes out of the servant heart and attitude to build others and to make a difference. You can make any day better when you take your focus off yourself and begin to look for ways to help and serve other people. Serving starts inwardly with a desire to honor God and to share with others what he's done for you. This leads to practical acts of kindness. And as we look outward, and not only after our own interests, God will begin to elevate us and lead us to the place where we can really make a difference. Let's be sure that we're building in the area of service. Number two, we've got to continue to build and sometimes rebuild excellence. Because I've discovered this about excellence. We can all start off well, but we've got to make sure we continue well and finish strong. And so I've got to ask myself this question. How well am I doing in the areas that I'm busy with? In 1 Peter 2 verse 12, in the NASB translation, it says, Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as an evildoer, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Look what it says. Keep up your excellent behavior. You see, excellence separates you and sets you apart from everything else. What is excellence? Excellence is doing the very best you can with whatever you have in your hands at any particular time. You see, no one can define excellence for you because excellence comes out of your heart. It comes out of this attitude of, I'm doing this for God, so I'm going to give it everything I've got. Excellence is what I call being all in. And I want to say to all of us as individuals, as a local church, let's keep striving and building with excellence in our personal relationship with Jesus, in our marriages and families, in our ministries, in our businesses, and in our work, in our community, with the people we work for. Let's do it with excellence as unto the Lord. Are you building excellence? Number three, the third area we need to be rebuilding and continuing in our lives is in the area of the word. You see, our third value is to be word-based or Bible-based. And you see the reality, you can only build your life if you build it on the word. The word is the firm foundation. The Bible says the word is the anchor of our souls. And so we need to be sure that we're growing in the knowledge of God's word 
But listen, you can't just grow in the knowledge of God's word. You've got to gain understanding of how God's word works in your life and in your reality of everyday living. When that happens, you begin to apply the word and it will make a difference. So we could ask ourselves this question. What am I doing to deepen my walk with Jesus? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, in the Amplified, it says, Study and be eager to do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correct, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing, rightly handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. You see, the author who spe- or speaker from who you learn the most is not the one who teaches you something you don't know, but it's the person who can help you take a truth which you struggled with and didn't understand and help you to make it your own so that you can share that with yourself, with others, in a way that they recognize it. You see, when, when I've realized and recognized how I can make the Word of God my own, how I can apply it to my life and my circumstances, that's when it's made the most difference. And that's where I've grown the most. So I want to encourage you today, keep growing in the Word. Keep listening to the Word. Keep fellowshipping with God through the Word. Because Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You see, just like you and I have to be diligent to eat regular meals and to sustain ourselves in the natural with food, the way you sustain yourself spiritually is by spending time in the Word of God, in a daily quiet time, and through praise and worship. The next area that we need to grow in is in growth itself. (laughs) What do I mean by that? Well, our fourth value is this, is we want to keep on growing. I've discovered this in my walk with God, that when you've been serving God a long time, you can really become professional at serving Him. You can go through the motions and you can just keep on doing the things almost automatically. But you see, if you're going to be progressive, if you're going to be cutting edge, if you're going to enter into each new season and recognize the new season, you need to keep on growing. You need to keep on renewing your mind. And you need to grow in all kinds of areas. I'm going to talk about growing spiritually. But you know, if you're a business person, and and let's say you're a plumber, then you've got to stay growing in that area of plumbing. You've got to learn the new technology. You've got to find out what new ideas are there so that you can keep your business cutting edge, progressive, and moving forward. That way, you will always make sure that you're not just have an income, but that you're building a sound business. And so I want to talk about just three areas in the area of growth. And, and we need to keep building in the area of growing. What's the first area is we need to grow in faith. Growing in faith is so important. You see, what is faith? Here's a new definition for faith that I hope will encourage you and excite you. Faith is the ability to see yourself through the eyes that God sees you. Faith is the ability to see yourself the way God sees you. 
Whatever you're facing in life and whatever is coming up in our future, God has already given you and I the faith to face it. When we have that confidence and assurance, you see, then what will happen is this. The enemy would love to convince you and love you to believe that you don't have a chance in life, that you're too weak, you're too poor, you're too whatever it is. And you see, if the enemy can convince you of that, he'll steal your faith and he'll steal your confidence. But God sees you and I through the eyes of love. He sees you victorious. He sees you growing and overcoming and getting better and better in your life. You know, sometimes it feels like we don't make progress. It can feel like, man, I've tried so hard and things just keep going wrong. But I want to encourage you today, don't quit. Don't give up. Keep pressing on. Keep growing because your faith will see you through. Seeing yourself the way God sees you leads you to a life of overwhelming victory. And it does take faith to serve Jesus. But it doesn't do you any good if you don't know how to release your faith for your life. We release our faith through the words we speak, through the actions we perform, and of course, through the power of prayer. So I need to learn to grow in the word. I need to learn to pray and develop in my lifestyle of prayer by praying the word. And then I need to act on the word for it to work in my life. In 1 John 4, 4, it says this, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. The next area we want to build in in terms of growth is we need to continue to grow in grace. Grace is such a powerful and beautiful thing in the life of the believer. In Hebrews 13 verse 9, in the Amplified, it says this, do not be carried away by different and varied and alien teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established and ennobled and strengthened by means of grace. Wow, grace is God's favor and spiritual blessing. And not to be devoted to foods like rules and diets and ritualistic meals which bring no spiritual benefit or profit to those who observe them. You know, Paul once made an incredible statement in the book of Corinthians. He said this, I am that I am by the grace of God. I am that I am by the grace of God. You see, what he was saying is this, he was taking no spiritual credit or no credit for his spiritual well-being. He was taking no credit for any victory or any progress he'd made in his life. He was giving it all back to God and attributing it to the grace of God that was working in his life. When you and I recognize and understand that it's only by the grace of God that we can do anything in the kingdom of God or make progress in our lives, that's when we'll be growing. That's when we'll be building a solid foundation because the grace of God is the ability of God. And so he recognized that the reason he enjoyed victory was because of the treasure in him, which was Jesus Christ. Man, that is such a wonderful treasure. The third area that we want to talk about in terms of growth that we need to build is we need to continue 
to develop the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. In Galatians 5 verse 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Notice something very powerful. He attributes living and walking in the Spirit with developing and growing the fruit of the Spirit. You see, sometimes we try so hard to overcome the things in the flesh that we struggle with by trying harder, by being more disciplined, instead of focusing on growing the fruit of the Spirit. If you'll keep growing the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit will overcome and cause you to walk and live in the Spirit, and your flesh will no longer have control. That's why it's important to keep building and developing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You see, as we grow in walking in the Spirit, it releases God's freedom, God's will, and God's purpose into our lives. And you know what? It makes a huge difference to the way we face things. And then finally, number five, the fifth value of our church is love. So the the fifth area I need to be building or rebuilding into my life is I need to continually be evaluating my love walk. How is your love life today? You see, God wants us to have great relationships. And the only way we can build excellent relationships is by learning to walk in the love of God. And the only way to walk in the love of God is to receive His love for yourself. How are your relationships today? You see, God's love will break the back of the enemy every time and it will soften the hardest of heart. Galatians 5.13 puts it like this. For you, brethren, have been called to freedom. Only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Isn't it amazing? We've gone full circle and we're back where we started at serving. But notice it makes a distinction. The way we must serve each other is through the love of God. Let the love of God be the biggest thing in your life. Now in Ephesians 3 verse 17, it speaks about the richness, or I like to say it like this, the treasure of God's love that is in you. In verse 17 it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you be rooted and grounded in love, and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. Listen to this. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Listen to this. We always speak about the power working in us as the Holy Spirit. And it's true, the Holy Spirit is the power of God. But let me tell you something else. The other thing that needs to be working in us for us to see God do exceedingly abundantly beyond is the power of His love. 
You see, when I walk in the revelation that God loves me, it empowers every area of my life. It empowers me to forgive. It empowers me to build great relationships. It empowers me to help other people because my own human love can only go so far. But God's supernatural love, God's unconditional love will take you way further than any human love will ever take you. That's why God's love is powerful and His love will cause you to change and become better. So today, as we close this service, I want to remind you of a beautiful scripture in Matthew 16, verses 18 and 19, and it says this, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound on in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Can I encourage you today? The treasure is in you. Let us arise and let's build. Let's arise and let's build our lives, build our communities, build our families, and build our nation. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person that's listened to this message today. I pray right now in this moment you're encouraging them, you're uplifting them, you're healing them, and you're allowing your grace and your love to rise up within them like never before. Perhaps you're listening today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Perhaps you once served him, but you've walked away for different reasons. Well, you can come back today because God loves you. And if that's you today, would you pray this prayer out loud with me? Just say, Father God, I believe today that Jesus is your son, that he died on a cross and that you raised him from the dead so that I could have eternal life. I receive and accept Jesus into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me today. Now, if you prayed that prayer, we would love to hear from you. If you drop us a a WhatsApp or send us an email, they are appearing on your screen right now. We'd love to get a hold of you. We'd love to share the love of God with you. We'd love to send you a Bible. And we'd love to find out what God's doing in your life. Perhaps you're watching today and you want to share a testimony or you want to share an encouragement. You're welcome to send send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you. Myself and Mandy love you. We send our greetings and we're praying for you.